Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Shootout Podcast. I'm Ted Wyman in Winnipeg, Manitoba. I'm joined by my good friend Daryl Paquin in Vancouver, British Columbia, and we're starting a new podcast today to talk about all things sports, maybe a little bit focused on the Winnipeg Jets, Winnipeg Blue Bombers, some things in Vancouver, but all across the country and all across the world of sports. Daryl, how are you doing today? Welcome to the first edition of the, of the uh, Shootout Podcast. Uh, doing great. Nice uh, sunny day here in Vancouver this time of year. That's always a bonus. So uh, I have a sunny disposition and a sunny day. <laughs> well, people around Winnipeg don't have such a sunny disposition right now, Daryl, and that's probably due to the fact that they have a football team that's 2-9, and nine, which isn't too great. They've got a hockey team that hasn't won a preseason game yet. That's not such a big deal, but some Winnipeg fans weren't all that happy uh, Monday when the ESPN came out with its list of the top 25 goaltenders in the NHL, and Andre Pavlik didn't even get a sniff of the top 25 and I think a lot of people here wondered about that because they think he's you know better than his numbers suggest but even the Jets coach Claude Noel said you know the numbers don't lie Daryl your thoughts on Andre Pavlik right off the bat well I think that's a bit of a misnomer I think the statistics are one thing but uh, I believe that uh, he plays better than his statistics uh, would indicate I think that uh, perhaps uh, Winnipeg being a small market he doesn't get the exposure as the other as the other goalies around the league would be and I think that's part of the problem but uh, you know I think the team in general has been underperforming and uh, you know the goalie is part of the team it you know takes the whole team and so I think it's kind of unfair I would have ranked him definitely in the top 20 I think he's pretty good uh, in the EA hockey game that they produce every year he's always rated quite highly in there so you know those guys uh, you know are used to ranking players as you know based on their skills so you know, those are the two things I would bring to uh, the forefront there. Well, he makes a lot of saves. There's no question about it. He makes a lot of very spectacular saves, the ones that you remember, the ones that make the highlight reels. But those numbers have always been concerning to me. Right after he even came to Winnipeg, I wrote a column about that, and a lot of fans got mad at me for doing that. It's like, have you watched the game? See how this guy plays? See what he does in the net, how acrobatic he is? But his positioning, I don't think, is particularly great, and I know that that leads to the fact that he doesn't have a good save percentage. .906 .906 is his career save percentage in uh, the NHL. It's also his save percentage last year and the year before here in Winnipeg. That's not even close to what the top guys in the NHL are doing. Sure, the shots aren't as tough for some of those guys, I suppose, but Pavlik's got to bring those numbers up, and I think that's what Claude, Claude Noel was talking about. Well, I think that uh, the, uh, the main thing here is uh, consistency, and I think uh, he's a little inconsistent, and I think that uh, when players come in the league, that's what they strive for. And uh, once they get consistent or consistency, then they start to really excel in what they do, and I think that's a major part of it uh, in terms of uh, uh, Pavlik's actual you know, technique, if you will. I think that um, he's a little bit wild, and I think that, uh, you know, I can't, I'm not a goaltending coach, but, uh, you know, there's been some other goalies in the past that were a little wild, and they've uh, kind of uh, got them to be a little bit more, uh, you know, focused and uh, not to leave the net so much, not to overplay shots, get ready for the next shot, right? But overall, I think it's a, a consistency thing. So, you know, if he's working on that and, you know, it brings that mindset, I think that, you know, he'll improve. Want to switch gears quickly while we're on the subject of things that are inconsistent. How about the Winnipeg Blue Bombers? And I I guess that's not even fair because they're not inconsistent. They're consistently poor uh, this season. And, you know, I just can't imagine that Tim Burke, the head coach here in Winnipeg, has any more than seven games left in his uh, CFL career as a head coach because this guy has not done a very good job. And the Bombers are two and nine and just going nowhere. 
Uh, your thoughts on that, Daryl? Do you see Tim Burke as being a guy that's going to be back in Winnipeg uh, after the season? Well, uh, if you had bet me that he would last the seven games left in the season, I wouldn't take that bet. We'll put it <laughs> that way. Uh, being a true Blue Bomber fan, I always have been. Uh, you know, it kind of breaks my heart. Um, I think that uh, he won't last, and uh, I don't think he should last. And, jeez, uh, you know, um, hard to say. The Bombers, I think, have, uh, have a bit of a curse ever since they didn't hire Dave Ritchie as their head coach uh, years back, which I thought he was a great head coach. He went on to coach uh, Montreal and British Columbia to uh, championships. And, and Winnipeg uh, to a Grey Cup as well, eventually. Correct, yeah. So, you know, uh, ever since, you know, the days of Cal Murphy, Mike Riley, they haven't had a coach in there that's really done much. But uh, I would think that the last few years there's been a bit of a, bit of a lack of, uh, you know, high-end talent on the team, uh, especially at the quarterback position. And we all know the uh, CFL is a quarterback, uh, you know, centric league. You know, if you have a good quarterback, you generally do well. And it's amazing over the years, you know, I, I would probably say, in my opinion, Kevin Glenn has been the most consistent quarterback, and they kind of let him go for a song after, uh, you know, he brought them to the Grey Cup. Unfortunately, he had a, a major injury and wasn't able to, to uh, perform in the Grey Cup, but, you know, that's not on him. So, you know, I think the coaching staff, I think, needs a different philosophy. Uh, I think the general manager has to do a better job, uh, you know, gathering, you know, better talent. But, uh, you know, from what I've seen, I think Marcel Belfoy, he uh, has you know, made the offense look way better. It's got a little more, you know, pizzazz to it, a little more razzle-dazzle. I think the uh, the uh, quarterback position, I think uh, Goltz looks a little stiff in the position. He's got to be a little bit better of an actor and kind uh, of, you know, doesn't have to put the tie on. He's put his work boots on. <laughs> no doubt. Uh, and, you know, the Bombers have at least said they're going to go with these young guys because, you know, there's a lot of really good young quarterbacks in the CFL right now, and then none of them are wearing Winnipeg Blue Bombers colors. The Bombers have, are at least trying, though, to get somebody along those lines, and they've got Max Hall, and they've got Justin Goltz, and they're giving it a shot, and hey, they traded Buck Pierce off to BC, where you are right now, and now the Lions could end up playing them because Travis Lule's hurt, and wouldn't that be incredible if Buck Pierce found some success out there in BC? Well, I was just about to say, wouldn't that be something if he found success? I totally agree. I think he uh, he has all the tools to do that. Um, I think that it's hard to be a successful quarterback in any football league if you don't have an offensive line, and I think that's one of the things uh, the Bombers are really lacking right now. Their running game seems like uh, whoever they plug in a running back seems to do a good job, and that's you know devoid of a pretty good you know offensive line. So, you know, Buck Pierce, I think he got a bit of a you know bit of a bad rap there. I think he's a good quarterback overall. I mean, you know, he's blood and cup, but I mean, you, know, you sometimes need that, you know? Yeah, he played badly this year in Winnipeg. There's just no way to put it any other way. I like Buck Pierce. I like him personally. I think he's a good quarterback. I think he's a good football mind, and I hope he's going to be a coach in the CFL for a long time. But, you know, with all the injuries through the years, whatever he decided to do this year just wasn't working, and he was not playing well for the Blue Bombers. Hey, I, he might play well for the BC Lions. That's a, a better team and a better offensive line, a better situation for him in general. It's just so hard for a guy like that when every time he gets hit, every time he tucks the ball away and runs, there's a chance that he's going to get knocked out of the game, and it really does make it difficult. But I think most people in Winnipeg would say all the best to Buck Pierce and hope that he's back here in a coaching capacity in the not-too-distant future. Daryl, let's just talk about a player that you love who has just recently uh, had a chance to work out 
tryout, professional tryout offer, I believe, with the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs, or did they sign him? Actually, I think they uh, might have signed him. Yeah, I think they signed him. So they've got Mason Raymond now, who is a former member of the Manitoba Moose and a, a player that you kind of liked as a possibility to come to the Winnipeg Jets. Love Mason Raymond. Been watching him out here in Vancouver for years. I watch, uh, you know, probably at least 80 Canuck games a year at least. And uh, just thought, you know, overall the character, the skill set, you know, just a hardworking player. doesn't, you know, really team player. doesn't cause any ripples. Just goes about his, his work. Uh, the guy's got, you know, wheels, like speed to burn. And I, you know, I was really, when he was, you know, no longer tendered to contract by the Canucks, I was hoping he might, you know, get to uh, be signed by the Jets. I think him and Evander Kane would just, you know, light it up. As Carlisle said last week, Randy Carlisle said, speed in this league, speed kills. And, you know, he's got lots of it. So imagine him and uh, Kane terrorizing defenses. I mean, that's a lot of speed. And they got hands to match, you know. There's a few, uh, few players over the years that had the speed, but not the hands to match. And if you take a look at the highlights from uh, the first preseason game that Toronto played, he scored that beautiful shorthanded goal. And, you know, just, you know, took off, scored, nonchalant, did his work, game over. I think it would look great in a Jets uniform. My argument against that would be that the Jets need toughness. They need to be a stronger team coming into the Western Conference. They're already a good skating team. They need to be stronger and tougher with the big forwards that they're going to deal with here in the uh, Western Conference. And Mason Raymond is a pretty soft player, in my opinion. Don't think that the fit would have worked this year, although I would have liked to have seen it happen at some point if they were looking uh, still for uh, plug-and-play players to fill out this roster. Um, How's it looking out there with John Tortorella as the head coach in Vancouver this year? I mean, what an interesting guy to come out there. What the opposite of Alain Vigneault, and they pretty much just swapped one for another. I know you were no big fan of Alain Vigneault's, though, so let's hear your thoughts on John Tortorella. Uh, well, let's see. He had his first press conference yesterday. His cell phone went off, and he, uh, he <laughs> threatened to walk if that happened again. Uh, you know, Tortorella is a colorful guy. Uh, I think he's a good coach. I think his record speaks for itself. The guys won a Stanley Cup. You know, he doesn't BS around. He asked a lot from his players. Um, I think the Canucks were really, really in need of a cultural change. You know, the, the culture of the club I don't think was where it needed to be, not to be successful in the NHL currently. And I think that he represents that change. Um, unfortunately, I think he's inheriting a situation where the talent pool might not be as good as it, as it has been in the past. But I think uh, he's going to instill a blue-collar kind of work ethic to the team. And, uh, you know, I don't think they'll be outworked in many nights. And uh, one of the things that I really don't like about the Canucks in terms of what I said as the culture is I thought that um, they kind of stressed, you know, taking penalties as in, in my opinion, diving and, and, you know, working the power play, and that was the key to their success, you know. So I think Tortorella is going to take that. You know, everyone's going to be accountable. And good or bad, they're going to be a hardworking team. I like John Tortorella. Well, you know, you talk about the diving uh, culture, and there's no doubt that there's a certain culture that revolves around having the Sedins as your top two players, and obviously it wasn't being handled quite properly because the Canucks didn't win the Stanley Cup when they were close, and they, they didn't get as close again uh, in subsequent years, and even the Sedins didn't have as good a year the last couple of years, really, as they had been having so now, you know, you look where is the team going with this, and boy, they haven't changed enough, I don't think, of the style of the team. So you bring in, you know, Mike Gillis hasn't done enough, in my opinion, as a GM, to bring in players to change 
the team that way enough. So a move that you can make to maybe change that is to bring in a guy like John Tortorella. And that's a big move, in my opinion, because he's a different coach from the kind of guy that a lot of these guys are ever going to face. Do you think Mike Gillis lasts there long? I mean, he's had a pretty bizarre tenure as GM there with the whole Luongo situation and everything like that. All right. Well, you know, uh, when you come in as a GM or a coach, uh, you have the opportunity to be an, uh, an innovator. And uh, Gillis came in and, you know, he tried to take a different approach to, to things. And, uh, well, like I said, the record speaks for itself. I don't think he's uh, been as successful as uh, he thought he was going to be. He's not as successful as, uh, say, the Aquilini thought he was going to be. And uh, quite honestly, the situation he finds himself in now, he's basically created his own situation. He's handcuffed himself, so they weren't able to bring in any free agents. They didn't have any space. And so the team is what it is. They're lacking... Uh, you know, a, a good, uh, you know, gritty forward who can pop in a few goals every once in a while. They don't have that puck-moving defenseman. Uh, they don't have that, you know, that nasty piece of work defenseman. These are elements that you need, and especially when, the, you know, the division as they're going in this year, they're going to need to be a little more physical. I'm a little concerned that they don't have that element. I mean, they have, you know, Weiss. They have Sestito. But, I mean, those guys, Sestito didn't even dress in the playoffs. And, you know, Weiss dressed for a couple of games, and so, you know, that's where it is. But unfortunately, as I said, Gillis somewhat handcuffed himself and, you know, left himself in a bit of a predicament. So if I was a betting man, I would say that this, you know, might be Gillis's last year. If he doesn't do something here, you know, if the team doesn't perform, I think, uh, you know, they might be looking elsewhere. And really, if, if, it, if they're not performing at all, then somebody's going to be fired, and it's probably not going to be John Tortorella in his first year as the head coach there. So the GM might be the guy that uh, gets in a little more trouble. One last thought before we go, Daryl. The Canadian Olympic hockey camp that was just on, they played ball hockey out in in Calgary trying to, you know, I guess avoid paying a million bucks in insurance costs, which I find unbelievable. It must cost you know, that must be a drop in the bucket for what Hockey Canada generates in revenue with the World Junior Hockey Championship and things like that. So I was very surprised by that move. But, you know, talk a bit about what you saw there uh, in terms of what you think Canada is going to be putting together for an Olympic team. And, you know, hey, if you want to talk about the ridiculousness of the camp, that's cool with me too, because I, I really didn't think that made a lot of sense. Right. Well, I think the general consensus about that whole thing was it was pretty Bush League in terms of... Uh, you know, not wanting to put the million dollars forward to, uh, you know, pay the insurance so the players could actually, you know, put on the equipment and take care, you know, take part in the actual, you know, full equipment scrimmage. So that didn't sit well with me. And uh, judging by uh, everything I've read around here and across the country, I don't think it's that well with most uh, Canadians. Um, I think Canadians in general are pretty, uh, pretty confident in our team. Our forwards are good. Our defense, you know, are, you know, you know, some of the best in the world there, you know, we're definitely, you know, as good as anybody else in the world. I think, uh, as in most hockey teams, and this is, you know, no exception, I think it all comes down to goaltending. And I think that will be, you know, that will be the area. And, you know, of course, everyone's been talking about the goaltending, but quite honestly, it's going to, I think it's going to come down to that. So, you know, the Canadians can do this. I think they're well coached. Babcock, I think, great coach. I think they have the talent everywhere else. We'll see how the goaltending goes. Um, you know, if I could segue into uh, Mike Gillis here, I think uh, Mike Gillis, you know, one thing working in his favor is he's got Luongo, who really wants to be the goalie of Team Canada, 
and uh, I think he's going to be really motivated, so that's going to bode well for Gillis. But overall, I think Team Canada, it'll come down to goaltending. And it could be Luongo. There's no question about it. He's got the most experience going in there at, uh, of anybody at the international level, although his last few seasons have been crazy. So <laughs> hard to imagine how that will go. One thing for certain about that Olympic team is they have to build a team that can really skate to play on that big ice because in the past when they've gone to Olympics where there was big ice, Nagano in 98 and Torino in 2006, they didn't take the right kind of team and they didn't have any success. So we will see if they get it right this time. Daryl Pack went out in Vancouver. It's been a pleasure to chat with you here today on The Shootout and we will be back again next week. I hope you enjoyed it, my friend. I did. Thanks very much for having me. All right. Well, we'll see if we can get even more controversial next time. Well, I'll try my best. All right. Thank you very much for listening to The Shootout. We'll talk to you again.